Infinity Wars. Episode 0044. We have the Boondock Saints versus Snatch. This is a podcast, not an unlicensed boxing match or a tickling competition. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 0044 of the Movie Wars podcast. We got ourselves a cowboy. This is Kyle. You should never underestimate the predictability of stupid. I am Drew. In the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again. <laughs> This is Phil. <laughs> yes. We have a crazy, and, and Phil recommended this match. We have the Boondock Saints versus Snatch. And um, man, these movies, even though the plot line isn't necessarily the same, it's the fashion, it's the style of the cuts. And they both use those like fade to black, you know? And like the one time I tried to write a really shitty script, I read, you know, you should rarely use the fade to black. That's like a rarely used thing. You use cut. You know, hard cut is what you use in a script when you're writing. These guys using fade to black every other scene, it fades to black, it goes to the next scene. Really? The Black, and both of these movies, both very stylistic, but both two of the most popular cult movies of all time. Guy Ritchie already had a lot of respect in the industry. We'll get to Troy Duff in a minute, who has zero respect in any sense of the word in any walk of life. But and I have a rando about this, but you know these movies, both uh, especially Boondock Saints, really picked up on release. It was really not received well when it came out, but over the six months uh, on video at Blockbuster, Blockbuster is literally to blame for its success, and it gained this huge cult following. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was in college. It was almost like it was something that we did in our dorm. It was like a an initiation. Like you don't get to hang out with us until we watch the Boondock Saints. It was a thing. My memories around this movie were mostly guys who had no Irish heritage whatsoever learning that prayer and like walking around <laughs> yeah. saying it and shit. And, and uh, like I did, I've always loved Boondock Saints, but that was even a bit much for me. Where I was like, okay, all right, you're gonna learn the prayer. Yeah, <laughs> we know it's cool, but like keep that shit to yourself. Yeah, and it's really interesting. It's it's the vigilantism thing, man. It's so funny that you. you you learn doing this podcast that you just link it back to Taxi Driver. You know, Taxi Driver really did... You link it back to Taxi Driver. Well, no, that was the... (laughs) That was really the most popular expression of vigilantism outside of, like, the early renditions of of Batman in the comics, right? It's a very typical vigilante story. It's a very interesting setting. You know, Boston doesn't always have a lot of movies done in it. We've got the Catholic element. We've got the prayers. It it is a little different, but it is really at its core just a a vigilante movie. Snatch, to me, I described this to Drew earlier, Phil. I'd love to hear what you think. Oh, it was like... Snatch was like Ocean's Eleven for adults. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It had that kind of style. Similar tone. Similar tone, yeah. groups, big cast, and it, it cuts between the different cast members. Uh, I like it a lot more than Ocean's Eleven, I'll say that. It was funny. <laughs> uh, I watched about half of Snatch with my wife 20 minutes in. She's like, this is like a more intense version of Ocean's Eleven, isn't it? And I was like... She said that? Maybe? Yeah. So we're the she same. She really did. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get her on the pod. Kismet. She's good commentary. Half the stuff that I say that isn't fuckboy bullshit comes from her. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you it. get her to watch with you. Babe, I need some feedback. Yeah. I'm really a fucking stupid twat. <laughs> I need your help to come up with the right things to say with me blokes. So anyway, let's uh, talk about impressions. Drew. Uh, yeah, well, much like Phil here, in college, I mean, Kyle and I, we, we went to college together. Everybody in our dorm loved Boondock Saints for some unknown reason. Because after watching it, because I hadn't seen it until now, I was like hopelessly looking for that thing. Like, what is it that was like such a draw to these kids? like these guys in college I still can't put my finger on it but it's an entertaining movie it's kind of like explores that the mix of the world of vigilantism and, and morality and kind of how that all plays out Snatch it was an interesting I'd never seen that movie it was cool to get to put another Brad Pitt movie in my you know cap it was one that I, of his that I hadn't seen yet um, another great ensemble cast movie a lot of fun loved the needle drops I thought that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. the thing that I thought was really cool that it did well was I think it explored the mix of crime 
crime and action and humor really well. The director did a great job of balancing those three things, and I think it's hard to do. I, th- I thought they are fun. They're not, like I said, I told you guys earlier, they're not my type of movies because mm-hmm. I, I prefer a little bit more heart and soul in my movies and a, you know, a little bit more compelling nature of film, but yeah. they're, they're fun and I, I enjoyed them. I totally I like what you said because it did feel like Guy Ritchie, he didn't want us to spend too much time with any one character. It felt like as soon as you started to kind of get into one character, it was cut to the next scene or cut to another group. And that pacing kind of let the humor to me resonate more because I'm not attached to any of these characters because mm-hmm. we keep going so fast and then something funny right. would happen. And I was like, I feel the freedom to laugh at this, even though this is like some violent well, he mob also, shit. That's the Ocean's Eleven thing, right? And the needle drops help too because you're like, oh, this yeah. funky music tells me I'm supposed to be chuckling at that. He also establishes that pretty early in the film. Like he pretty much lets you know <laughs> that this is going to be an overwhelming cast because he introduces 15 separate dudes like with their names at the beginning of the movie, like flat top, you know, he just goes down the list right away to be like, you're not going to remember all this shit, but here you go kind of thing. What are your impressions there, Filskis? I really enjoyed this matchup, mostly because I hadn't seen these movies in probably like 20 years. No joke. It was really interesting to watch these back to back because a lot of times if you like one of these movies, you like the other. And these movies are often brought up in, in the same breath and conversation. You know, they came out relatively close to each other. They are very similar looking films. They both explore a weird side of crime in their own way. Watching them back to back was interesting because I feel like if you watch Boondock in a bubble, you you just appreciate what it is with just how it kind of like glorifies this righteous criminal mindset. You know, the, the storytelling method where you're pretty much watching the movie out of order the whole time with Willem Dafoe's out there describing what happened in the scene and then you're seeing the scene play out. So that was kind of like a cool mechanism that was used. But then you go to Snatch, which is made by an incredible director with a, a rap sheet of amazing films who really understands nuance and pacing and all that. And when you watch these back to back, you kind of really see what an inferior film Boondock is, especially in comparison to Snatch, which is sharp and funny and really like makes light of some really fucked up underground bullshit and does it in a really masterful way. And the way they use music and the way they use the cuts and like Kyle said, the way they don't hang on any one character or any one scene too long. Like it's kind of always has you at the, not the edge of your seat, but kind of like reeling a bit, like you can never really find your bearings. And that's kind of what brings the comedy and brings this almost disorientation that keeps you wondering what's going on. But yeah, when you watch these back to back from a filmmaking standpoint, you really see what a, I guess, artistically superior film snatches. But at the same time, like the, the fact that Boondock feels like it's almost coming apart at the scenes or at the seams every few seconds is kind of has its own charm. So yeah, I really enjoy these both for what they are. I, I loved this matchup. I had a blast watching, revisiting these and getting into that weird glorified crime world. Like, I like what you said about the kind of the containerization of watching the Boondock Saints. And so much of that movie is what we talked about with the college days and kind of that zeitgeist mm-hmm. that was so and like rewatching it, I honestly didn't get it this time. I think the first time I think I was just riding on the emotion it's of like... It's a young guy film. Like It, it is. It's a film you really, really enjoy when you don't have a, like a long history of films to look back on. Still in that developing brain sense. Because it's simple. It's these dudes who are on this righteous indignation path toward mm-hmm. wiping out crime in their area. And, you know, it plays on the emotions with their Catholic prayer and all that stuff. And and mm-hmm. so it's real easy to digest when you're younger, but when you're older and you've got like stuff to look back on, you're kind of like, right. oh, it's, it's cute, but yeah. it's not a great film. You know, with my impressions, I think, and that was very well said, I think what's interesting with the vigilante aspect of the Boondock Saints is I the reason I love Taxi Driver and the Nolan Batmans, I, I do like the space it gives us to kind of analyze because vigilanteism is all about, it's the dissonance between the evil of the people that the vigilante has taken down and the moral compass of the vigilante themselves. Like that is that dissonant tone. That's why we love anti-heroes. That's why we love the genre because we're assessing like, okay, they're taking out really bad guys, but he's 
kind of a bad guy. Like, how do I root for these people? And you're trying to adjust your your mental, you know, expectations for that. The thing about Boondock Saints is it they have God on their side. Yeah, right. <laughs> in their minds, they are doing God's work. And so it almost kind of gives you this like instant buy-in. It's like, well, this is a religious thing. Like mm-hmm. they're doing this because they feel called by God and they're very confident in that. So I actually appreciate, as much as I love that, Taxi Driver being like my second favorite movie of all time, I do like that. But I was actually surprised with how much I enjoyed not having to do that evaluation here. Mm-hmm. They got God on their side. They're killing really bad dudes. The police support them. Everyone supports them. There's no like, you know, and the, the credits were really on the nose too when they're interviewing those people. With I those know. Really shitty interviews, by the way. If those were actors, that was the worst B I feel like that was kind of how it would go down in real life though. Like they, it was. Just those like mm-hmm. kind of candid takes on when you see vigilantism going on sure. around you and you're going to get that spread of, well, this is just going to make things worse. And then people are like, sign me up. You know? Yes. My biggest thing was I put in my notes, the Boondock Saints is Willem Dafoe. I, I'm a fan and Drew, Drew has gotten me more into him because I realized recently that Drew, I think if you were making lists, he would be in your top five the way you talk about him. Well, truthfully, I haven't seen a, most of mm-hmm. his body of work, but I, everything I have seen him in, I really love. And mm-hmm. he's by far and away the star of this. He oh. steals the show. Oh yeah. He's, he is like, compared to everyone else in that movie, he is like putting on a master class. Especially when he, when he first emerges. Yes. And he's just, and they're, you, like, they're wanting you to like feel this with the hair and the suit and he's just walking on the scene like he runs the place yeah. and like the, you know, yeah. I don't know, the coffee. And Got the, any all more theories, Greenlee? <laughs> oh yeah. And this character is right up. He, you know, he plays interesting, kind of weird, complex roles. Um, You know, a lot of, even in Platoon, he wasn't just a straight up soldier like he was almost a sensitive warrior type that had a heart but also was a, like a freaking assassin like that is right and that's why I like him so much as he takes on these roles like the, he's his character is a gay FBI agent who obviously hates gay men <laughs> did you guys Dude, pick up on that, that? was killing I know, me I was not ready he's like he's gay and he doesn't like gay people <laughs> I like, know and then he's in that bar and what did he say to the bartender he oh, told him yes. to pour his drink stronger you fruitcake or yeah. something like that he's just like <laughs> like wow he's like chiding all the people yeah around him. But in my notes, literally wrote that down. I, you know, a lot of the movies I like with him, he's not the main actor. He's not the lead actor. He's often like supporting cast or yeah. high up on the lead, but not the lead. It's the face. The face is such a niche face that yes. he's always playing a niche role. Wasn't it terrifying how convincing of a really unattractive female he made though? Yes. With the high cheekbones? Like <laughs> yeah. it translated. I was like, oh yeah. shit, he could also be a woman. Yes. <laughs> that was weird. Yes. With Guy Ritchie, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't think I've shared this with you, but I'm glad we're covering him today because he is the most in-demand director for us to cover that we haven't covered yet from, from all our right. listeners. I get messages all the time, when are you going to do a Guy Ritchie movie? Um, and I'm glad we're finally doing it because that's going to satiate a whole you know segment of our listeners. I love the style that this man brings to every one of his films. One thing I was digging in preparing for this, I was reading an article about him and it was talking about how he funds his art films, you know, Snatch, you know, Lockstock, all these movies that we love him for. The way that he like is able to do those and do them mm-hmm. at a high level is because he does a lot of like grunt work movies. He directed the uh, Aladdin, the live action Aladdin movie. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah. and Sherlock Holmes. Forgot Sherlock Holmes. about that. He directed The Man from Uncle. You know, he has all these really mainstream movies that he directs, and he kind of does that on purpose. That way, he has the financial freedom. He's created the trust, and then yeah. he can go out and do a snatch and make Brad Pitt sound like a crazy person. To, you know? our, to all the artists out there who want to get weird on people before they even know who you are, mm-hmm. you can't do that. You gotta yeah. play the hits, and after you play the hits, people are open to 
listen to your bullshit. The magic formula is one for you, one for them. Isn't that what the most great actors say? I haven't yep. heard it, but Make that one, sounds one, awesome. One for them, one for you. That makes total sense. You guys know this. You've done enough episodes with me. I am all about director style. That's what get, got me into movies in the first place. I remember when I first realized, oh, Martin Scorsese directed both Goodfellas and Casino. I was like, he did both of those. Oh, mm -hmm. and he worked with Robert De Niro on both. And then like it was about the tree. And then Goodfellas IMDb came out and it was game over. And yeah. I was like, because until then, yeah, it was like you had Gosh, to like. Gosh, that's such a good point. Like you had to kind of like see the through line yourself. Yes. That's interesting. Once I realized Tarantino did Pulp Fiction in this one and oh, this person produced it, but they worked with this. Like connecting those was my thing. And that's really honestly what got me really interested in movies at a young age was connecting all these creative dots. Guy Ritchie is this guy that just has such a superb style. Mm -hmm. I love what you said. It's always the balance of violence, humor, crime. Like he takes all these things, but they're all, it's like single serving. Like he gives you just enough. Yeah. You're not ever overwhelmed. And then he, he gives you levity. Well, he's great at pacing, you know, which mm -hmm. to me is, I think half the battle when making a film, like knowing mm -hmm. what to, when to bounce from a scene or like leave it and hang on, on a shot longer or something like that. Like yeah. I think movies live and die by their the pacing. pacing. was really well done. Pacing in both were pretty good. I mean, Boondock was a little weird. Pacing it, was good in Boondock. Like it had its issues, it's but I don't I think, think Boondock, pacing was one of them. It's mm -hmm. intentionally slower. Yeah. yeah. Snatch is near perfect pacing. Oh yeah. I gotta say it. It's yeah. near perfect pacing. Snatch is much lighter. It moves, it's bouncier. Mm -hmm. It moves quicker. It's, Boondock is a little more slow moving. And yes. Intentionally dark. My impressions, I, I I like both of these movies. They're Neither of them are my top 50, but I walked away from my first viewing of Snatch. It was actually the first time I'd seen it. Loved it. It reminded me of why I like Guy Ritchie. Why, and it, I was like, oh, this is why they keep, mm -hmm. our fans keep requesting us to cover him because he's got this unique style and huge impact. Before we get into randos, our listeners have spoken. I was actually surprised by this. I thought Boondock was going to win, but Snatch, 57%, and Boondock, 43%. Interesting. So, yeah. I, That's it's, margin of error. That's what right. yeah, yeah, still pretty close, but it's just, you know, compared to college, you would think that was that the Boondock Saints was the Godfather 4. Well, <laughs> well, exactly. Snatch was just a much bigger movie, right? Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. And the critics liked it. The, Snatch was a new, more nuanced film. Like, it was harder to follow mm -hmm. the plot. It moved quicker. You know, it was, obviously, you had to watch it with subtitles. It was a yep. little, little bigger of a lift to get into, I think, but yeah. the payoff was was worth it. Let's see. Snatch made $30 million, and Boondock Saints made $30 million. Yeah, and so Boondock was wow. gross about the same. Boondock was all video rental. Actually, Boondock was a lot lower budget to make, so Boondock was technically the more successful. Yeah. Wow. Well, Brad Pitt's salary was a big thing for that movie. For there was a lot of, there was some sacrifices they did definitely have to make. We'll to get go. to that. And uh, just a couple of comments from our listeners. Joseph says uh, the reason that he liked Snatch better was Jason Statham. It's just Jason Statham in all caps. I love That's the simplicity. It. I got that. Love Joseph, it. I fantastic. It, Menard, our, who's commented oh, on a lot of stuff. He's been here before. He's been here before. Yeah. We miss he you. Eats we, at our, he eats at our table. He eats at so our often. table. A regular here at the Movie Wars podcast. Brad Pitt's accent in quotation marks in Snatch. I love that he put it. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk yeah. about the accent, but I love that you put that in, in quotation marks. <laughs> Thank you always, listeners, for giving. We love reading what y'all think, and uh, we love using that as kind of a primer for how we discuss. The Boondock Randos. Here we go. Okay, I'm going to have to tell the story. Okay, this is a longer rando. I, it's it. really go. important, I think. There is a documentary called Overnight. So if it tells you how critics felt about the Boondock Saints, it got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes critic score. The documentary about it got over 80%. <laughs> because you could have also called it Magnifying an Asshole is another name for it. Troy Duffy, Rags to Riches story. He was a bartender in Boston. He wrote this script. Harvey Weinstein somehow gets a hold of it, reads it. And yes, I know. We're going to talk about Harvey Weinstein, one of the worst humans ever. We're acknowledging that. But you can't tell the story without talking about Harvey Weinstein. This is before all the shit came out. Well, you know, if people want to rewrite history, like, he made some great films. We're not like, celebrating Weinstein here. We're just, I mean, he's. Yeah, you could somebody, also say he's Quentin Tarantino's somebody's best Somebody's scumbag friend. nature doesn't necessarily negate the fact that they did some good things. Absolutely. Without Weinstein, 
Weinstein, we don't have Tarantino. If Without you like Weinstein, t- you don't have half the movies that came out over the last yes. 25 years. Yes, insane. Horrible guy. Um, but yeah, so anyway, he shows up at the bar while he's working there, Troy Duffy. He's over there. He's in this band called The Brood, and the band, all they all work at this bar. They play at this bar. And he, at the bar, offers Troy Duffy a deal, gives him straight up million. As part of the deal, he buys this bar and gives it to him as part of the transaction of the contract, gives the bar to Troy Duffy. Wow. He goes to L.A. Rags to Riches has never done anything in a movie. All he's done is written a script. Again, Harvey loved it. So they moved to L.A. So what Duffy decides to do is he's going to make his band the producing unit. So all of his band, the bass player, the drummer, they're producers and they're co-producers. None of them have ever done anything. This went to his head instantly. Like This was like snorting coke for this guy. Oh my gosh. He got fame because they were he was on magazine covers because of this Rag to Riches story. It went so far to his head that there was video of him turning down all these famous actors. Because of the story, because Weinstein went, because of the drama of it, Brad Pitt, uh, Mark Wahlberg is in the documentary hanging out with him at a bar, like talking about the movie, talking about because he's a Boston guy. There's footage of Troy Duffy smoking and walking around with Patrick Swayze because Patrick Swayze was really interested. And then there's footage surfaces of him saying, I don't want Keanu Reeves because he's a punk. He says, I don't want Ethan Hawke because he's a talentless asshole. Like he's going to town and he turns down all these fantastic actors. Harvey Weinstein actually gets sick of his shit. All the producers at Miramax get sick of his shit. They back out of the movie because they were just sick of Troy Duffy's shit. And so he goes for less than half. He goes to, uh, I think it's called Film Franchise Films. They fund it for less than half what Miramax was going to give them. And they end up making the movie that way. But they didn't, they barely made it to the finish line because this guy had basically went scorched earth. And then, and when it came out, it really didn't come out to great, uh, to a great reception, but it became a cult classic on video. So that's a very like condensed version of what happened. There was a lot of bad interactions that happened in between. Better movies have filled for less. We'll put it that way. Quick fact correction. Please. Yeah, please do. Boondock Saints actually grossed (laughs) $30,000. Oh, not yeah, it was all video. 30,000 uh, in uh, theaters? The 30 million number I was looking at on Snatch was actually just the U.S. total. It was actually 83 million. Yeah, I could see it killing it in Europe. So yeah, Snatch, much, 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 much bigger movie. <laughs> I'm, hey, thank you for like, uh, we're I all we all make. I didn't want the listener who out out there who knows that I'm wrong. I yeah, because sure. they oh. message me when we fuck up. <laughs> of course they do, and, and they uh, you know because everybody's got Google. You know we we know you can fact check us after the fact. We're here doing this live, motherfuckers. And also, this isn't like some heavily produced thing. There's three of us in a room. We have three microphones. I know it sounds like a million dollars, but it's not. And also, yeah, we're all married men with jobs and kids and wives and mortgages, and we don't have time to sink you know 50 hours of research into each movie. And also, I just told you the whole story from memory. So that was, I had one yeah. bullet point on my from sheet. From memory. Yes. Yeah, so. so you can Google it, you know, not from memory and call us out later, you <laughs> fucking unhinged. I gotta Cock be right. Oh my gosh. Crazy enough, we've had a lot of movies that get stifled by public things that happen, right? Like 9-11 has put off movies. Like this was a case where this movie was supposed to be released one month after Columbine happened. So Columbine happened, this movie was supposed to be released. And so not only did Troy Duffy basically ruin his reputation and nobody wanted to work with him because of his personality, then that no one wants to distribute the movie. It only, I think it only played in five theaters in Boston. I think that was the run 
run that it got. Wow. It was very limited. Um, but yeah, so they had the horrible luck of going on after the the horrible tragedy at Columbine. Jeez, man. And honestly, you couldn't have a worse. The fact that they're wearing black coats in the movie, like it's just it just was not a good situation for them. It is pretty amazing how often something in filmmaking that hasn't yet reached the public ends up colliding with something societal and getting stopped. Like, what were the chances that I don't? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. not gonna go down that path. But yeah, yeah. To me, it's just crazy that like, oh, movie about planes crashing into a building and destroying shit. Oh, after planes actually crash into yeah. a building and destroy shit, like that kind it's of stuff. It's weird how stuff happens, man. You know, it's in the ether in some way, I guess. You reach in and you pull it For out. better or worse. Sometimes you pull out a, a cocktail, sometimes you pull, pull out, out a cock. elephant shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, Spider-Man had a scene of, the end scene was him like swinging between the towers and so they had to like bump the movie and reshoot an ending. Oh, <laughs> really? Was, like, yeah. Which one? The first one. Oh, yeah, the Tobey Maguire Tony one. Mac yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I just can't remember the chronology of all the Spider-Man movies. None of the churches in the Boondock Saints are Catholic churches. The Catholic church did not want them filming because of the violent message. They didn't oh want that gosh. reputation. So You could see why. But you know, funny enough, guess who stepped up? The Lutherans. The yeah. Lutherans stepped up. All the churches are Lutheran churches. How ironic is it That's right. that Luther stepped up again? He nailed that thesis. I was going to gonna the, say the 500 to thesis the camera. or whatever. Because yeah. the they're all like, wait, this movie's going to make Catholics look bad? We're in. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> they missed out on that, I guess. Uh, do they do offering plates in the Catholic? I can't remember. I have no anyway, idea. Probably a little light that week, huh? So after all these distributors, because of the Columbine, because of the horrible reputation, also there's this rumor in the ether, no one's ever been able to confirm this, but there's this idea of the blacklist. The blacklist is what happens when a really powerful person basically says no one's allowed to go near this thing. Harvey Weinstein, after all these horrible interactions, the rumor is he blacklisted Troy Duffy, he blacklisted the movie, so he, he was got... was pretty notorious for that, though. Yes. If he decided he was against you, it was over for you. Yeah. So nobody would distribute it because of this Harvey Weinstein thing, because of the Columbine thing. But what happened was, like you said, made 30000 Blockbuster took a chance. Basically, this was back when you could gain a lot. Matt Damon has a great video on this on mm -hmm. how much money it used to make to have video, to have Blockbuster and rentals. That actually generated a ton of revenue for these yeah. movies. And they used to be lumped into the release figures. Blockbuster basically took a chance, took this movie on, and it was only through them carrying this movie is what brought it to the cult status that it is today. So That's crazy, wow. man. Yeah, you can and somehow that made it to our college campus. It was Blockbuster's highest grossing release. Wow. I kind of miss those days. I do too, man. There it, it was an event to like to go, go rent to a movie store, together, get a movie, put it in, yeah. like watch it top to bottom. It made it you had skin in the game. Yeah. Now you can just click it, watch 15 minutes of like, I don't want to watch this. Move on. Yeah, but that whole ice the water cooler <laughs> thing yeah. that happens is still relevant. A little movie that could hits Netflix, they take a chance on it and people watch it like it's word of mouth spreads and there's still that. The arc is much steeper though. It's just though. way harder because of the sheer amount of content. And there's a water cooler sh shortage. I was reading the other day because of the logistics yeah. change that there are no water coolers anywhere so None. nobody's talking about anything. Yeah, yeah now it's just, just like the Slack side channel at work. Yeah, yeah they're, they're gathered around no water a, cooler. a pedestal at work that used to have a water cooler on it but then it broke and they couldn't replace it. Yeah, so. now it's just a thing where you set Sad, like bro. Oakland Raiders helmets on like the little mini helmet and like oh. <laughs> yeah. Snatch andos randos Rand snatch. Snatch these nuts. <laughs> Originally, Brad Pitt was supposed to play Turkish. And what's this is a really funny rando. Turkish. He could not do a London accent. He didn't feel good about it. Guy Ritchie didn't think it was convincing. So that's how he ended up not taking the Turkish role. That became Jason Statham. But then he does this little gypsy Irish <laughs> Yeah, where it's like all gibberish. Which I did a ton of research on this. There's a, I found a subreddit, believe it or not, of Irish people, because an Irish person in this film channel basically said, Irish people I don't want to hear from you. How do you feel about it?
about his accent. And a lot of people like it. One guy was like, that's what my mom sounded like when she got off the ship. And it, you know, <laughs> That's funny. There are people that love it. I, But I'm not Irish. Well, I mean, I'm I, part Irish, but... Guy Ritchie is British, so I don't feel like he would have allowed that to happen if it wasn't pretty close. Like, you know, he makes funny movies, but he's also, you know, he's a he's a legit director. Like, I don't feel like he's gonna, like, let Brad Pitt just fuck around for, for no reason. Lenny James, how funny <laughs> is it? Monday. How funny is it we did this matchup? We got a Walking Dead alumnus on each side. We got Lenny James, who plays know, Morgan, right? and then we got uh, Norman Reedus. They all came together to make something really inferior. <laughs> yeah, and Lenny James, yeah, you're right, so bad, and they're still, ma now they're making more spinoffs. Daryl's in Paris or something. Lenny James was fantastic in Snatch. He hurt himself twice in the crotch. One time, a dog, that dog in the, the scene where they're in the pawn shop or whatever, that dog actually bit him in the crotch, so they had to replace the dog, and then a couple days later, when they're in, when they're blowing a hole with the shotgun in the wall of the bookies, yeah. Lenny James hit himself in the nuts with the fake blank when he shot the blank and the shotgun no. hit him in the nuts again. So within three days, he had a dog bite his nuts oh my and then gosh. he hit himself in the nuts with a shotgun. I hope he had had his children already. That's the most genital rando we've done yeah. up to date. I thought very that, genital forward. Very intriguing. It's got that strong genital That's flavor. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. The balls on that guy. The very, <laughs> very intriguing stuff here at the Movie Wars factory. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just keeping it light here. <laughs> because that was maybe the weirdest rando I've done. I loved it, though. I, I mean, wanted it. I it wanted happened. it. We're going to stick with the Lenny James, a subject matter. There is a scene where there is a replacement, a lookalike for Lenny James because the actor got arrested for getting in a fight the night before. He was in jail and he couldn't go to the set, so they had to find a lookalike. So nice. there is a scene. I don't know which scene it is, but I, I think it's one or two scenes where there's a lookalike. I think it's like you see the back of his head. He's inside a of his fucking face. hero, Because he? he was in jail. That's amazing. Yeah, Morgan. Too busy, right? uh, you know, cooling down behind mm -hmm. bars. Very last rando that we're going to snatch here. Brad Pitt rarely showered during the course of the yeah, making of this film. <laughs> he wanted to really look like a, a, a shoot. Can we say the word pikey? I mean, it's, it's in the it's, fucking movie. I know, but in the UK, I read that it's derogatory for gypsy nomads is okay, what it is. But I mean, it's like they, they yeah. say it, what, no less than 900 times in the movie. So like, I'm going to just use what Guy Ritchie said, but he rarely showered. And you can tell he's got that kind of like blackish, like residue forming on his skin. See, um, that's so disgusting. But hey, you know, that's dedication to your craft. It is. Shall we dock? Shall let's, we boon? Let's let's boon in boon dock. dock wars. Are the Saints yep. going to go marching into the war let's card? Dock it. <laughs> let's dock that snatch. Let's you know do I'm it. Saying? I'm. You know what? I know I usually do my hick accent. I want you to request Drew to summon the iPad in an Irish accent. And get so me the fucking iPad, Drew. <laughs> Pull that shit up and get <laughs> me the fucking thing I'm asking for. Hey, man, you took my job. I'm the one that introduced the iPad, you Irish <laughs> son of a bitch. What do you think you're doing? I like the red. I was just Billy. being myself. <laughs> I have fucking iPad. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do you top got any three. Jameson. The top three top build cast: Boondock Saints, Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, Norman Reedus. Snatch. Here's where it gets interesting. Yes. <laughs> top bill cast paid more than anyone else in this movie. Jason Statham. Really? Jason was paid more than nice. Brad. Second build: Brad Pitt. And third build is Stephen Graham. Statham Pitt Graham versus. Defoe, Flannery, Reedus, Kyle. Statham is a Guy Ritchie guy. They do a lot of work together. They love each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is hard. I really like what Brad Pitt does here, but I have one word in, or two words, Willem Defoe. <laughs> 
He, he just. <laughs> I have one word. I have one Willem concept Defoe. phrase. <laughs> Neither of those are words. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. And here's the thing: I like Snatch better as a film, mm -hmm. but I liked Dafoe's performance better than anything in both of them. I love what he does. This ballet dancing. You know what? It kind of reminded me too his the way he traces and visualizes these crimes. It reminds me of one of my favorite books, Red Dragon, which is the first Hannibal Lecter. Of course, book. of course. Graham, the the detective, he's this visceral FBI agent who can visualize and put himself in the shoes of you know the crime and he can figure out what the murderer is doing just by imagining things that kind of harkened to back to that for me I loved it I love his like attitude towards the people around him he's so like pretentious and angry but I actually thought it was a really cool plot line that he eventually sides with the saints mm -hmm. and helps them I, I wasn't actually seeing that coming I, I if I, I couldn't remember what happened in the movie I thought originally he went he stayed on his own path and I'm kind of glad I forgot that because I was pleasantly surprised by that and I liked it to me there are a lot of good performances in Snatch but they're also limited like I said earlier yeah. We, we got just enough. Not a lot of art. Yeah. Like, I didn't get a lot of time to appreciate the before. I feel like Brad Pitt is the most obvious one that you mm -hmm. appreciate because his character is larger than life and he kind of does the most. Mm -hmm. Although Jason Statham's accent, I just love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love his He's accent. fun to listen to. And this is not a knock on anything they did because I, listen, I like Norman Reedus. I loved him in Death Stranding. You and I played that together at oh, the same yeah. time. He was great in that. I don't like the show The Walking Dead, but when it was good, he was good in it. He To me, he doesn't really do anything stellar here. And he's got a not a great Irish accent. I thought Norman Reedus and the and his little counterpart there were uh, fun. They played the like don't give a shit vibe really well. There were a lot of scenes where they were goofing around together, and it was super believable. Yeah. It almost looked like they got some B roll and put it in there because I mean like yeah. there was some genuine laughter and goofing around that like brought some levity and, and almost like brotherhood vibe to the to the movie. And I th honestly think that's why it played so well with people after it yeah. came out was because there was an authenticity to their performances that's, uh, you know, that's all on the actor. All so right, you either I, got it or you don't, anyway. I go BS. What do you go, Filskis? I actually go Snatch because it's hard to be funny on film when you've got a script in front of you. It, like anything, like, comedy is is really easy when no one's expecting it or when, when you can, like, you know, blindside people with a good joke, but you've got this movie that, for all intents and purposes, is a dark comedy, like a dark British comedy, and everyone is delivering. And I do agree with that. That's There's not hard a week. to do. There's not a weak link in that movie. Yeah, Jason Statham is not really a funny guy, but he was funny in that movie. And Brad Pitt has has his moments. He does definitely does the lighthearted thing pretty well in, in a lot of serious movies. And I thought he was just fucking brilliant. And I'm not honestly sure who the other guy is that you mentioned. Who Stephen was Graham played Tommy. Tommy's hilarious. Oh, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, Tommy. Okay, yeah, like, I don't I'll know, fucking man. find him like, myself. In that, in that setting with how dark that movie was, for all those guys to be as funny as they were with such quick little jaunts on screen like that, I thought that was really an accomplishment because that movie was, it lived or died by the performances because the the story was moved really fast and it was kind of an inconsequential story. Like it was mm -hmm. basically a movie about a bookie that nothing goes his way and, and shit gets weird when he goes to try, try to buy a trailer. What the fuck kind of plot is that? But yeah. those guys made it happen and that's why I go uh, Snatch for that one. Excellent points. Just to add before we go to Drew, it's one thing to pace scenes because pace often refers to like the scenes and how long they are and what they what the scene does for the overall arc of the movie and how does it deliver at a certain time and like as you approach the third act and the class like there's yeah. all these dynamics of what pace means to me for snatch pace means dialogue and that's what you're talking about mm -hmm. the the pace of the jokes and the the talking that is not easy to do yeah like man yeah. statham did the dry sarcasm thing just brilliantly yeah and like his accents that weren't his own like weren't good but they were so bizarrely hilarious like when he does the thing he's like so what 
why didn't you like bust a cap in his ass? <laughs> like he tries to do the American thing and it just sounds so ridiculous. I just thought they were all the, the comedic timing in that movie was could not have been more perfectly executed. I, I've never really considered Statham all that dynamic. And now after watching this, I, I think he's a lot more dynamic than I gave him credit oh, it was for. So good, dude. Every time he was like, you've got to make sure that you're like watching out for <laughs> the Germans. Like it got me every time. Drewskis, what do you think? I think there's not a cooler tandem than Jason Statham and Brad Pitt. I think they're just so freaking cool. They're both just absolute studs. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, like it's already been said, I thought they were both hilarious. They both handled the humor piece really well. But I felt like the character arc of both of their characters, because of the bounce around nature of the mm -hmm. plot and the way the movie was made, I felt like that made them a little bit more disposable. Whereas the Boondock Saints, like Willem Dafoe, to me, you he, it's not like plug and play with him. Like that, he made it's that true. movie in my it's opinion. True. Same. Uh, just the character, the charisma, the confidence. Like he just, he, it was just a whole persona, a whole vibe that like totally the second he stepped into the movie shifted what that movie was. And I just, I was super into it. And, and like what was already said, Redis and is it Flannery? Is that his name? Yeah. Last? Like they, they, while they didn't do anything crazy, they were really believable. And yeah. That's kind of what you want from good acting is just, do you buy it or not? And I bought it for what they were trying to play. So you just made me realize something. Everything around Defoe was pretty even. Like it was a pretty, like everyone's kind of got a very similar temperament, even Redis and Flannery. Defoe is at 11. Yes. It was oh. Pacino vibes. Yes. Good point. Oh. Did you not get that? I kind of, I, I didn't even think about that at the time, but now that you're talking about it, I'm thinking about the hair and the suave and he's walking in yelling at people and doing yes. the thing. Like, yeah, it's so true. It's I didn't even Pacino. think of that. That is, the, give this man points. Do we have a point system? Dialed it up. He's seven points. Seven for, points. Yeah. <laughs> you get I got seven. the extra point you too. You got seven right. points. How do we get points? I don't know. I guess we we'll gotta figure make, it out We later. gotta make good points, I guess. Drew <laughs> Listeners keep note, Drew has seven points. That was amazing. Colin, remind us if we forget. That is exactly what he was. He was he was doing Pacino. It was. It was good. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's so because funny. Pacino, yeah. that, that is such a good point. Because Pacino does that random yelling thing so well. Where <laughs> Walk he's into like, a room and yell. great ass! You know that? <laughs> great ass! Yeah, and then he's like, there was a fire fire! Don't you waste know? my motherfucking time! Yeah, like, that was, he was he was dialing up Pacino for All that shit. All those quotes were from Heat, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, he, he did a lot of it. Role. He would just walk yeah. into a room and scream at people. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. God, can we cover Heat again? Yes, we, please. We can. Can we can not be drunk next time? <laughs> The Boondock Saints are marching all over Snatch. It is one to zero. Now you do that. You get that Irishman what out of here. You give me that support. Give me that support and cost. I never drew. know how to run down the list, so I'll just stop when the photos stop populating. Boondock Saints: David Della Rocco, Billy Connolly, David Ferry, Brian Mahoney, Bob Marley. <laughs> Bob Marley. Really? Uh, yeah, that's his name. Detective Green. Was that Bob. my comedian friend, Bob Marley? In Snatch, we had Vinnie Jones, Aid, William Beck. Andy Beckwith, Ewan Bremer. That is Bob Marley, the comedian. He's not my friend. I have another friend named Marley, but... That's pretty much it. Couldn't tell you a single person from either of these supporting casts. Phil, what do you think? Um... I once again go Snatch here because as good as the dude who played the Italian henchman was, I thought that guy was was really funny um, in Boondock Saints. The three dudes in Snatch yes. were fucking incredible. Tyrone, like, Tyrone, dude, Vinny, and Saul. Their banter in that opening scene with them in the car, uh, I was telling the guys this before we started rolling, but that one scene where Tyrone is complaining about the parking space and he's like, you could land the fucking jumbo jet in there. And he backs in and smacks 
smashes the van and he's like, how do you miss it, Tyrone? It's a four-ton van. It's not like a fucking bag of peanuts. Their banter was killing me. And then the dude who plays the Russian guy, I thought he was hilarious, like getting hit by the car and waddling out with the gun, blowing people away. There was so much weird shit going on at the supporting cast in Snatch. Like, I just, like, that movie was so, so funny from top to bottom. Um, That's my only thing with this movie is I had, this is obvious, I'm showing this right now. I had a hard time keeping up with all the names and I watched it twice. Yeah, and (laughs) Dennis Farina was great. He was Uh, fantastic. We didn't even mention his name. We didn't even mention Dennis Farina, but he was... He was uh, my favorite part of that supporting cast. He was great. Like, the the supporting cast top to bottom in that movie was a really complete feeling. Like, if there were any holes in the lead actors, like, which I didn't think there were, the supporting cast was more than enough to cover that base, so... Drewski's. Uh, To me, it's not even close. Snatch, for for the reason of Tyrone, Vinny, and Saul, that that scene where they're breaking in to the, the, like, where you place bets or something to steal the money. (laughs) I was dying. I was like, this is the funniest slap, most slapstick humor. Like, I just did not see it coming. That movie completely zagged in that moment. Like, it was kind of, like, slightly humorous, but when those guys stepped into the scene, like, the dog swallowed the two toy and they're arguing about how to get him, that was so funny. So This this kills me. The scene where he's like, open him up! And he's like, he's not a fucking can of beans! What do you mean, open him up? (laughs) When the dog eats the diamond? And he's just, like, casually telling him to slice the dog open in that, like, moral conflict. (laughs) And he grabs the dog and he's like, he's whining! Like, sorry. (laughs) There's one scene when the the briefcase or whatever was attached to the limb of the guy and he's like, did you cut his arm off? And he was like, no, we're not fucking butchers. <laughs> I just thought it was, yeah, those guys were hilarious. The banter was top So, yeah, snatch. No yeah, yeah I, I agree. And, and the reason it's not close is like, it, it, I don't have a problem with the supporting cast. It's aside from the Tourette's laden bartender, I just don't remember. The cops all felt like cutouts, like they were like British cop cutouts. Oh, and yeah. then, fuck us! They were all guy. just, they all just kind of felt like cutouts. The Russian mob guys were cutouts. Like, it just, yeah. the, none of them really rose above their pay grade. Whereas Snatch, now, it does have a little bit of an advantage, because, I mean, we got Benicio Del Toro in a small role here. I mean, yeah, we got... True. Oh, we didn't even mention him. I uh, know. We he's, missed he's the way two biggest down. ones, Benicio he's, Del Toro guys, and Dennis uh, If you didn't get paid, you don't get yeah, listed they were, on the MWP. They yeah. were way down on the pay grade. That's why. They all delivered so far above their pay grade, and I loved, my favorite was, and I did actually think of a movie you would know, uh, The Gentleman That Plays uh, Bullet Tooth was Juggernaut in X-Men. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I did, yeah, that was the only connection I can make that would make, have connected you to uh, to him and the... Uh, interesting. Same era, too. I loved him. He had a good agent. He had a moment back around 2000. He was hilarious to me. I loved his kind of like menacing but comedic tone. Um, everyone had comedy here. Everyone was res- responsible for a joke in this. That's another thing. Like, even people that aren't really known as comedians had to bring humor at every level. Yeah, it was great. Well, that's, that's the thing I loved about Snatch, man. Like, everyone landed the fucking jumbo jet in that giant parking spot. <laughs> So we are one to one here. Uh, we are BSing our way through Snatch here. The one that wins this category, which one needed the most subtitles? Which one did you need subtitles the most oh. for? Is that even a debate? Oh. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, first of all, I'll go first. I use subtitles with every movie I watch, whether yep. it's Friends, which is not a movie, a game show. I'm, I always want to see, unless it's a comedy and it's going to blow the joke before he actually says it and I can see the punchline, that kind of throws it off. So I'll turn it off then. But um, I 
I think Snatch was way more difficult to understand. Oh, to me, it's not even close. Like, Snatch is known for having to use its subtitles. That movie, top to bottom, you ask anyone who's seen that movie, the first thing they're going to tell you is, oh, make sure you got the subtitles on. The movie's literally known for Which would suck in subtitles. the theater, because you couldn't even... Yeah, and, and then the... And uh, even, like, when the subtitles are on in that movie and Brad Pitt's talking, there are whole moments where it's, like, indiscernible, indiscernible. <laughs> right. Because, like, and you're like, what the fuck is he saying? There are a lot of context clues based on the body language and the response of the people around him, but, um, God, to me, it's not even close. Snatch, like, you can't... You cannot track with a plot in that movie without subtitles. And Richie said it was intentional. He wanted Pitt to be not easy to understand because that was part of the plot. He totally. wanted the other characters to not be able to understand it. That plays into the comedy. They talk, They comment on his gypsy Irish you like accent. dags? I love the dags. You like dags? Oh, dogs. Yeah, I like dags. Yeah, I, I like dags. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised I haven't heard this from you, Phil, because you're usually the one that brings this. I have issues with the audio of dialogue in the Boondock Saints. That's why I needed subtitles a lot. When Norman Reedus is not a loud talker by nature. Like, he's not a very, like, projecting guy. I couldn't hear him all the time in the movie. That's why I actually needed subtitles quite a bit for Boondock Saints is because sometimes I was like, is, yeah. I was like, what is Reedus? It was I Reedus. I when I have to ride the volume button because yes. I don't want it to be too loud, you know, blare my throughout my house or at my neighborhood if I'm yeah. outside or whatever, but then I have to, like, pull it up to hear what they're saying. So you noticed that Reedus was kind of, like, quiet? It, he is very soft-spoken just in general. I watched it on, like, the two shittiest TVs in my house, like the garage one where I work out and then the porch one, which is also a piece of shit, so... <laughs> Um, so you didn't hear anything, probably. Yeah, like they were pretty it was tough just to the understand. Wall of sound. Yeah, I had I had subs on for both of these movies, so like when I have subs on, I'm not even listening barely because like half the time I have it way turned down or whatever. Right. But yeah, maybe that's why I didn't notice because I didn't have these turned up very loud yeah. anyway. I I have stupidly played against the loudest amplifiers on purpose, thinking I was cool, and now I'm suffering through it. Yeah, um, that's, that's all of us. <laughs> but yeah, I go I do go snatch mostly because that was intentionally designed. Like we they wanted Brad Pitt to be hard to understand, and I. I think it plays wonderfully in the plot, although I do think the subtitles in the Boondock Saints is not just accents, but it's the volume issues, the audio issues that I thought it had. This victory is all of a sudden looking like it may get snatched from BS here from the Boondock Saints. Worst Irish accent, Norman Reedus or Brad Pitt? And we'll, we'll call Brad Pitt's what it is. It's it's Gypsy Irish. They both were heavily criticized, but they also, here's what I found. It was 50-50 when I researched this question. People thought both were great, and there was a whole other camp that was equal size that thought they were both hor horrendous. That one's hard. Norman Reedus's accent really didn't bother me a whole lot. Um, granted, I don't really know any Irish people. I think anybody who's commenting on his accent that's not Irish probably doesn't know a whole lot of Irish people either. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> the three wish, of us? Yeah, like... Wish well, my grandmother's him. Irish, but the only language she speaks is, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Mm. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Too much Guinness, you know. Um, I hate that old bitch. She yeah. makes the shittiest cookies and the worst breakfast. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... And I, I also don't know any any, like... <laughs> Any UK gypsies, so... <laughs> that was so, so Drew's going bronchial that was over so there. So intense. And he said, "Go ahead, <laughs> go, go ahead." <laughs> <laughs> cooking is the worst breakfast. That rotten bitch. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's talking about his grandma. I okay. always know when she's around. I can smell her <laughs> from fifteen miles away. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, like. <laughs> 
neither of them bothered me because <laughs> I mean I think if we're being honest with ourselves as Americans especially our exposure to uh, legit UK accents is probably not vast so Norman Reedus didn't bother me but like and I but I, I don't know any UK gypsies at all yeah so like I don't know what the fuck to compare it to so I'll, I'll just go Norman Reedus just because I'm sure his Irish accent could have been better Brad Pitt was fucking hilarious so I don't care how bad his accent was right. or wasn't that shit was great yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Drew is going bronchial over yeah, here. Straight. I'm sorry. That's amazing. I'm crying. I just, I was just out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, I will say, <clears throat> hold on. Cut I'm all so that happy shit. right now. I will say. The first time I ever thought about someone having an accent, either good or bad, was Brad Pitt. It never occurred to me at any time during Boondock Saints or Snatch that, that there were act, uh, actors that may be doing accents that weren't natural until Brad Pitt spoke. Now, part of that is because I've seen Brad Pitt be not whatever he was playing in that movie. So that was playing against him. But I think for that reason, I have to give it to, I guess, Boondock. So Boondock gets the point. If the one the worst with that, accent better was, accents gets the point. Yeah, Boondock Saints. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, they intentionally designed Pitt, but there's more accents than just the Irish accents. There's the Boston accents, too. And those were flawless. When it came to time and place, it looked like Boston, felt like Boston. And that way, there was a good foundation for it. But there's, some of the Cockney accents, though, are done really well. I love Tyrone's accent. I don't think those guys were putting it on. That was how they, yeah, exactly. how they talk. <laughs> exactly. But Brad Pitt is the one that sticks out the most because he's not Irish. They asked him to do a weird blended one. He, he was already bad enough at a British accent that he lost the, the Turkish role. Is he role. Irish or is he British? He's, he's Irish. He's Irish gypsy. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because he's a Pikey. Pikey. There are British gypsies too that are not art. Oh yeah, there's gypsies everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix had one of his bands. My fucking grandmother was a gypsy. Yeah. Man, she rotted hell. <laughs> made, the worst, made the worst fucking cookies. She made cookies out of fucking chili peppers. That's stupid. <laughs> and bitch. rubber. Yeah. She made cookies out of rubber, chili flakes. She literally and broken melted glass. down tractor two to two. tires. We're going to game five. Two yeah. to two. <laughs> what a great matchup we've got going on here. Best Walking Dead appearance of our two Walking Dead folks. We got uh, we got Lenny James who plays Morgan, and we got Norman Reedus for Boondock who plays, of course, uh, Daryl. Which I don't. I had to remember because I haven't watched that piece of shit show in so long. I don't remember the first one. You know? Oh, you don't remember Morgan? Morgan? Did you get deep in? You didn't really get deep into that show, did you? Ah, uh, seven seasons deep. Ugh, I mean, there's like ninety of them, and now there's like sixteen Here's, spinoffs. But it was a long time. I mean, Norman Reedus. This is not even a qu Who's question. Gonna, Norman Reedus was like forty percent of the success of that show, at least. Yeah, he was the only person in The Walking Dead that I didn't hope would get murdered every single oh, episode. Oh yeah. Okay, I do remember him. But yeah, Norman Reedus is not even close. Yeah, I. I uh, there's two schools of thought here as far as I'm concerned. I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. Um, I fucking hate <laughs> The Walking Dead. I think it's one of the stupidest shows ever made. I think it's like, it's a walking simulator through the woods where all you do is watch a bunch of really idiotic humans bitch at each other during the end of the world and argue over dumb shit. And I, like, I just can't stand that show. It drives me insane. Um, <laughs> That's one school. They have the, gotten so much out of that. Yeah, they've, they've just ridden that show into the sunset. It's, and it's like. Going. Lois, it's it the is. McDonald's of television. <gasps> the main one's over, but now they have a Daryl spinoff, a Michonne spinoff. Of course oh they do. God. Why wouldn't they? Just keep that thing going. Just Daryl's continue in to Paris choke now. any intelligence out of humanity. But yeah, that, and then the other school of thought is uh, who was in it the most 
and perpetuated that visual abomination, which is Norman Reedus. So even though he was the best part of The Walking Dead by far, he was in it the longest and therefore perpetuated its trash existence the longest. So I give it to the guy who isn't him. Yes. There you go. <laughs> okay, but he's st- st- still made a fuck ton of money on that show. It's Good wildly successful. Like, you can't criticize the guy for creating a hit TV show. I sure can, and I'm And it's, it. the, the work hard speaks. It breathes life into the room. I remember it's made apart from me. It's like an out-of-body experience when I make the work card. So. Yeah, he could have left at any time and saved us all, you know, having to live through that. I mean, hell, trash. Andrew, or what's his face, Lincoln, who played oh, God, Rick? that guy. The, he left, and they still Jeez. couldn't end the show, and they they lost the main character, and the he southern still accent kept going. isn't hard to do, but he made it look hard every <laughs> minute of that show. How Coral! Many, how many shows God. lose the lead actor and still just like, we're just gonna keep going? <laughs> When you're, we when lost you're, the main guy. When you're cashing those checks, man, they'll figure out a way. Yeah, I mean, he left because he was done. Like, he, he, they didn't plan to kill him. He didn't want to do it anymore. I don't blame him. But, yeah, anyway. No, I'm, I'm obviously being a, a dick about I'm it. I'm laughing. But yeah, I don't care. Just pick for me. I actually, you know, guess what? Uh... Well, here, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is going to sound probably controversial. If Reedus doesn't win this, I'm going to be pissed. He made The Walking Dead go longer, so I, I, I can't I don't really for care him. for Morgan in the show, but, dude, I loved Saul in Snatch. Yeah, he was I got amazing. much more enjoyment from his character than I did from Norman Reedus in Boondock. I would agree with I'm that. I'm sorry. I, I just thought he added more. He wasn't as ma- major of a character, but his humor, I didn't know, because I don't know much about his career other than The Walking Dead, I didn't know that was a tool in his tool belt. The fact that he missed a day on set because he got arrested for getting in a real fight when he's in a movie about fighting gangsters. I love the irony. I'm going Lenny James here. Lenny James. I'm sorry, Drew. I give you Lenny James. I give you Lenny James. Phil, who are you going to pick? You're going to go Lenny James? Yeah, I thought dude. you were a Rita's guy. I like him, but I, I I don't know why. You know what he did most? You know what most of his career was before Boondock? He was a, a Gucci model. Well, I mean, hell yeah. From, he was to in me, perfume to me, his ads. his career started with this. I don't I know, care about his I'm, I'm just saying, that was his, that's what he, I mean. Dude used to flip patties at McDonald's. I like you him. You that shit? Yeah. This he was real fucking good at it too. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna back me up on this. The reason I like him most is because of his friendship with Hideo Kojima and Death, Sta- Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. I mean, that's he's fantastic in that, and it's right up his alley. Um, you know what? He did redeem himself with Death Stranding by going from one of the worst television shows ever made to one of the most underrated video games ever made. So there you go. And so you're gonna go him? No, I'm still sticking with the other okay. dude. I like how we're using everything but the movies themselves <laughs> to justify our answers. That's why we have this show. We can do whatever the Fuck we want. So we are tied again. Oh, wait, no, it's three to two. But Morgan, he was also in that show. That's the premise of this entire category. It is kind of weird. So you're you're discrediting Redis because he was on Walking Dead. Longer. And giving it to the guy. He was on it longer. Who was killed off quickly, whether he wanted to be or not. Actually, technically, I think Morgan, Morgan's in the first episode. Remember? He was only in it for what, like a season and a half? I'm trying to. he sucked. Dude, that show sucks. Who gives a shit? That show's terrible. Terrible category. A bunch of. (laughs) They should call it. The fake Southerners whining in the woods. They should call it the, the crawling woods. dead. The they jo- should just call it the walking because that's all it was. The jogging dead. All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Drew is keeping us on pace just like the dialogue and snatch. Right. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> that was my impression snatch. of my grandma choking on her own flour cookies because they're so dry. Grandma. <laughs> oh, man. I hope your grave is small. Um <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. They gotta, well, you know, or are you gonna. <laughs> grave is small. What's his name? Yeah, I mean, you can't move a body in one piece. You gotta cut it up into six pieces yeah. and pile they on top of it. They should bury you in a nice jar. Yeah. All right, it's three to two. Uh, this is a fun category. Il Duce, the Duke, played by Brian Connell, the guy with the six guns on his. Yeah. 
on his torso versus Bullet Tooth Tony. Who would you rather hire to kill within your mob or your death squad if you're starting a mob or a death squad? I kind of view the Boondock Saints as a death squad. Is that a good term? Six guns or six bullets. That's interesting. Or Bullet Tooth Tony parts. was shot six times in one but sitting. I'll add one thing. He pulled those bullets out of his body, mixed them with gold, and made them into jewelry, and he's missing two teeth from pretty, being shot in the teeth. Pretty hard. And, but Connolly. Yeah, like Bullet Tooth Tony, he takes a shot well, but do we know how effective he is? I mean, it took him getting shot six times before he could be like, all right, now I'm going to kill this motherfucker. And then he dies by accident when he accidentally gets shot by Avi. Is Avi the one that shoots him by accident? Yes. Yeah, he does. And um, he's like, Tony? Tony? Am I getting that yeah, point Yeah, and then right? he looks at the gun as if to say like, oh, I shot him, then the scene ends. That was great. Again, um, my only criticism of this movie is I can't keep up with the fucking names. <laughs> <laughs> I go with with the dude in Boondock because if I'm gonna yeah if I'm if I'm pulling out a contract on somebody that guy like he just gets the job done plus somehow they get him out of prison every time to go do his murdering yeah. and then he goes back in and then He's, he ends up being their dad yeah yeah right that was just a bizarre <laughs> left turn but he was I mean he was in prison for 25 years and still comes out and then gets into that really bizarre gunfight where like a thousand bullets yeah, are fired was... and there are only three impacts like mm. what is that future Phil I said Brian Connolly it's Billy Connolly so maybe just have me say Connolly. At least Connelly. you didn't say Jennifer Connolly. Jennifer Connolly. Really Billy Connolly. Connelly. Sorry, no-name actor. No, I'm just kidding. He's an old-school dude. Yeah, I go St. Doc Boons. Cool. What do you think, Drewskis? If you're going to make a death squad or, or hire out contract for your mob, who are you going with? Yeah, the Duke is the definition of a stone-cold killer. And I think that scene is so... I mean, it's not iconic, but it seems like it could be. <laughs> it is for this movie. <laughs> okay, maybe it is. That's why it's literally the picture on my sheet. Okay, maybe it is. Yeah, and for good reason. I mean, it's very memorable. And it's it's a pretty fun fight to watch. And then, you know, and Willem Dafoe goes crazy afterwards and finds the finger and puts oh, it in his yeah. so It all worked. I was into Who it. So are I gotta these go. People or I gotta, whatever. gotta go Dunebach Kaints or whatever. That was really the cl Take the climax box. for Defoe in that when he's doing that. That's when he's like maxed out yeah. doing his thing. Yeah. You're right. I don't know why it's so legendary because it's it's really from a like a reality perspective and a filmmaking perspective. Like if you're gonna do some damage, like just get an like they have access to automatic weapons. You can get a machine gun, but they made the choice for him to go in there with six pistols holstered on his torso. I'm just <laughs> I just as dramatic as that scene was, like it, the lack of like impacts in that scene was really I was just like how much longer are you gonna let this go without somebody getting shot like, yeah that was kind of weird to me. I, I just love the aura of bullet tooth Tony I just love there's a great vibe the background story I love that they showed him before with the long hair and with his teeth yeah, and then now cool. we have him without and he's he's also his humor it was dark and this was Guy Ritchie at his finest when he has him the guy what with In his the head window. through the window and he yes. rolls it up and they drive with him sticking out the window Ugh, that was hard to watch yeah but that's one of those little guy Richie touches. Oh yeah, I love that. So that that scene crushed me. To me, that was right on par with oh, Tony. What are you doing? Yeah, driving down the street with your fucking head. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and so it's not enough to overturn the category, but that's why I, I went that way. But there, to me, the window scene or the six guns was. Kyle, do we have a fuck like a cumulative fuck count between these two movies? Because I feel like it's off quite the a few. Charts. Quite a few. I mean, dude, you want to know what the documentary about Troy Duffy? It has more than both of the movies. That dude, and you and I My are... My kind of are, documentary. I mean, you and I are, we're curators of that word. We are, well, what's the word? We're artisans of well, that like word. Well, they say in Boondock Saints after the guy's like, what the, you <laughs> fucking, what the fuck? You just go over and over and yep. over again, and he, then the other brother says something about, like, well, well that uh, shirt illustrates the broad use of that 
word or whatever. I don't know. This is when you know what's good because it's tied with the final category to oh, go. Shit. Three, two, three. I love it when this happens. It happens every now and again. And this is where magic happens on the Movie Wars podcast. Grandma! Ready? Movie Wars. Biggest flex. Bullet tooth Tony getting shot twice in the mouth and turning his bullets into jewelry. Or. Hard to top. What I said earlier about the Duke. The fact that he had machine guns. He could have gotten any weapon. But his flex. I'm so tall. I'm going to strap six pistols to my torso. That was the choice. What's the biggest flex for these two murdering son of a bitches? Man, I think getting shot six times and turning your bullets into fake teeth. Pretty hard, man. Like That's, that's hard life. That's hard as fuck. That is, that's I'm not hard sure life. it gets much harder than that. <laughs> the Duke's flex just being leaving prison to kill more people. And having a big torso big enough to strap <laughs> on six holsters he onto a, his body. A man-sized torso. <laughs> he he could have had a bazooka. He's that big. He could have had two bazookas. He's so yeah. big. But I'm going with six desert eagles. <laughs> yeah. Were those desert eagles? I mean, that's, no, they they're weren't. both pretty impressive flexes. I, I'm actually going to go, the bigger flex is getting tagged, like, out of prison to leave yeah. prison to kill people. I think that's a big flex. That like is, a wrestling a match, like, tag here in the ring. It's like the very thing that got you in jail is the one thing that they need from you. It's pretty, it's... And they kind of pulled from Silence of the Lambs a little Dude, bit. The, the way they, the way they... Co- it totally the, got... The, the way they roll them into the, the yeah. penitentiary. Sorry, yeah. I was not paying attention to that first category because I was looking up F-words in movies, and you'll be happy to know Boondock Saints is number 43 on the list of movies with the most F-words. That's Jeez. pretty impressive. There are some movies with a lot of F-words. Yeah, no kidding. And I don't see Snatch anywhere in the top. Probably because they couldn't understand They couldn't understand it. 165. Dag. Yeah. Oh, Snatch! Snatch! 135 on the list. What's number one? I can't remember. We we covered it, I think. It's gotta be fuckity fuck. I've never heard of it. Swearing at the movie. Number two is fuck documentary. (laughs) (laughs) This list. Those those are layups. The next two you'll know. Number three is Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Uh, number four is Uncut Gems. The only one on this list that I see up in the top 20 that we've covered is, or actually there's two, Casino and Goodfellas. That's right. Dude. Eight right. and 20. Uncut Gems, that is up your alley. Adam anyway, Sandler as a gambling addict. I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. Too. Dude. I love that guy. That movie is Edge of the Seat, and Kevin Garnett's in it. Yeah, I actually have wanted to see that. It's really good. I recommend it. You went uh, The Duke. Snatch. You're going Snatch. Oh, yeah. Why? Because Because it's hard as hell. You get shot six times and you make you the bullets into teeth. That's pretty hard, man. Like, getting shot one time is too much for most people. Yep, and I, I go Snatch, too. It is un... I just love it. It was my favorite thing about the movie. I actually, the first time I watched it, I rewound and rewatched it again. The scene with his long hair before he gets oh, shot. so, so crazy. That's That was one of the few lengthier character-building moments. If you think mm-hmm. about it, because we talked about we don't spend a lot of time in the buckets with these characters, but with Bullet Tooth Tony, they did spend a little extra time setting up with that backstory, and I think it's because Guy Ritchie knew that was gold. Like, they had to... Oh, yeah, it was great. I love how hard that is, and again, I love the six gun holster thing. That's cool. But I just, the mythology th- that they established with that short, like 30 second backstop was so, that was the movie to six me. Six guns or six bullets? Which way do you go? Really good. And a really good matchup. Very close. Snatch that was wins. The clo- is that the closest one we've ever had? We've had a, we, I they, think I mean, we've it can't be closer than three that. that have gone to the last category yeah. we, since we switched to seven categories. Remember, we used to do like nine. But not only was it to the last category, it was the last category and then it was tied one to one between. And you were literally, had the you gone Boondock, it would have gone Boondock. If you had gone Snatch, it would have gone Snatch. Oh. That was, I mean, that was skinnier teeth. Wow, man. Skinnier bullet teeth win for Snatch. Well, I feel like that's an appropriate ending. For my two. scorecard went to an ayahuasca retreat and came back, and that's why it came back this way like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> these were great categories, man. Nice Thank work. you. I, I struggled a little bit because I, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard, but sometimes they come to me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a really fun matchup. I don't know what we're 
we're doing next. We'll look at the, the deck, the sheet. The deck. But this was a lot of fun. Um, we've got ourselves a cowboy here. My name's Kyle. Hey, my name's Drew. Careful of the Germans. <laughs> it's Phil. <laughs> I love dags. Dags. Love it. <laughs>